Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We are a married couple and we have four children, ages 10 through 3. And typically our conversations on this show, you can expect to hear nothing but raw, unrehearsed, unplanned, unprepped everythings. Except I have plans right now. I have things to say. Well, you always have plans and things to say. That's true. We haven't pre-discussed it, though. We've not pre-discussed anything, um, and that's we do that sometimes on purpose. Occasionally, we'll withhold conversations just for the show. Occasionally. I have been holding something back from you this week. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> My decisions on what to hold back and discuss in the show are typically not very well thought out, like meaning they're not. it's just not a wise call. Good life choice. <laughs> The, this what? one, this one has nothing to do with our relationship or life choices. <laughs> oh, that's good. It has to, it has a little bit to do with our ongoing praying mantis conversations. Oh, fun! So, shall we? Shall we begin with that? With what I've been withholding from um, you? Yes, do it. Okay. So <coughs> you tell everybody. Why you walked five miles uphill in the dark on Saturday night first. <laughs> and what you were texting me... I think me... it was closer to like eight. Okay. I mean... It... <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so I've been up hunting quite a bit, hunting elk. And if anybody... If you guys don't know anything about elk hunting, it's typically can kind of come down to just praying that God puts an animal in your path. They're almost impossible to sneak up on. They're super wily. They literally disappear right in front of you. And I have no idea how such a big animal can move so silently in such woods. So, that said, we're up in the forest. And we're hunting. My my buddy and I are hunting. Dave, he listens to the show. um, Are hunting this particular section of the area we hunt that is roughly as far away from the cabin as you could probably get, like perfectly. And it's about eight miles. And we have a side-by-side. And so we drive the side-by-side out to that location because it's across a big a one. I calculated the distance. The basin is almost a mile and a quarter across width-wise. Mm-hmm. So we drove it out of the cabin, down the road, cross the basin, park it. And then we go hunted for the, we hunted for the afternoon. We're just exhausted. I mean, a typical hunt can be twelve to fifteen hundred vertical feet of climbing, um, six miles of hiking around, a lot of sitting and just waiting. Climate's usually really bitter cold and nasty and gross. So anyway, we're all exhausted after this, and I'm just, I'm just, we're just tired. And it's the end of the hunt. We did bump a couple of cows, but couldn't execute on. Um, and if you're, if you don't elk hunt. A male elk is called a bull, and a female elk is called a cow. We bumped a couple of cows, and their babies are called calves. Bumped a couple of cows, as intended, but they did not run in the direction we were hoping in, which is closer to rifle range. So we, we're exhausted, we're tired. It was a great day, but we're just tired, and we get back to the side-by-side, only to have a dead battery. And I looked down, and apparently one of the switches, we've wired some aftermarket lights that I just have wired directly to the battery. I must have bumped it at some point, and so our giant light bar <laughs> drained the battery, and we're looking at each other going... For like eight hours straight. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, no. And we're like, is this really happening? Yes. It's really happening. So we ended up saying, oh, there's nothing for it but to hike back. So we left most of our stuff at the side-by-side and started walking. And it was, uh, it, was a great, it was a great walk. We had a lot of wonderful conversations. He's a big fan of the show, so uh, was giving me some of his thoughts on how to make Too Busy to Flush better. And in classic form, this was actually the guy um, who had given me some counsel about church and kids that I mentioned on a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, was that me you were talking about? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> apparently he does in this very laconic way, like, like rocked you. He's <laughs> like, apparently when we hang out, I have these really weird, like sort of life enlightening moments. He's like, 
really? Me? Huh? And I'm like, I don't know, Dave. It's just the way you roll. It's just the way you roll, man. So anyway, we're walking back, and you guys, um, this was nuts. And I don't know if this is where Molly is wanting to go with this, but it this is. was nuts. <laughs> okay? It's dark out. And it's not so cold. It's probably about 45 degrees, so not below freezing. And we started seeing, you know, we've got our headlamps on. And we started seeing these things kind of just, these dark things all over the ground kind of disappear. Like, what is that? And all of a sudden, <laughs> Dave stops and starts tapping his toe on something. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to get it to go in. I, I think these are just darting inside their holes. And he's tapping next to a worm. And all of a sudden, shoop. The worm disappears. Imagine you sucking a piece of spaghetti into your mouth, and you get to that last little tail end, and you and it zips in really fast, and kind of. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what the end of these worms do. So as we start walking, now how far out of the ground were they? Oh man, a couple six, inches. seven inches, mm-hmm. long ways. I mean, these mm-hmm. were, were huge. We're getting closer to the cabin, and all of a sudden, we if you you know how when you kind of you can see a lot of something when you when you don't really focus on any one thing and you let your periphery kind of take everything in thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of worms every couple of inches apart from each other covering the entire that whole area we have mowed outside the cabin gate Mm -hmm. that whole area was full of these little long worms. You just said little long. These well, worms are small, right? Right. But really long. Mm-hmm. So these worms everywhere, about every couple of inches apart. And when you walk by them, I think it was the light that uh-huh. made them going. But they just dart in the hole really, really fast, and we were blown away by which is fascinating and just and it was like molly what is going so on right now so he texts me and he says what's going on so i start googling because i'm intrigued and first of all guys if you're gonna google things like worm halfway out of hole you need to be very careful because most of the search results you're gonna get are parasites worms coming out of like dogs legs or human skin and it the images that you're gonna get are make gonna make your stomach turn but if you get the right the right search results, you will learn that what JR and Dave were seeing were night crawlers. Night crawlers, classic Just night classic crawlers. night crawlers. And I went down a hole of learning about night crawlers because it was super interesting to me. This is classic night crawler behavior. They come out at night and they a night crawler versus an earthworm digs a burrow when it's a teeny when it's a teeny tiny baby worm. Worms are not insects, so they don't go through the egg, larva, pupa, adult life cycle that a normal... A worm is not an insect. A worm is not an insect. Doesn't it, what what is it? I can't remember. It's a thing it's its own thing. It's got a it's got a scientific name that ends in A E. Um so so worms Worms are born of eggs as teeny tiny worms, and a baby nightcrawler worm will get its own burrow, and then they live in them. It takes three to five years, three years or so, to become a full-grown adult worm, and then they can live several years after that, but they almost never come out of their burrows. They stay in the burrow, and for safety, they, exactly what JR is describing, they come out part way, and... And they gather debris and sometimes live grasses in their mouths, and then they pull them back into the hole to eat them, and then they deposit casings. So if we look out in that grass around all of these burrows where the worms are, we're going to find teeny casings that they have deposited. Other worms, classic earthworms, and this is how I've always thought of worms, are continuous tunnelers. So they just tunnel continuously through the earth and um, enrich the earth by uh, breaking down and digesting dead leaves and things like that that are in the ground with them. And they just, it's in one end and out the other as they're going through the ground. A, a night crawler does not help loosen the soil like that and enrich the soil what a night crawler benefit that it brings to the earth is aeration because he's got all these burrows all over kind of like you know when we aerate our lawn 
it looks like little dog turds all over when you've got the the plugs of dirt. That's essentially what a nightcrawler is doing by allowing moisture to penetrate into the earth and air to get into the earth because a grass's roots and a tree's roots actually need softer earth and air, oxygen, in the earth. Uh, And so, anyway, nightcrawlers are distinct from earthworms in what they do for the ground and how they process things. And if you look on YouTube, catching nightcrawlers, then you get the bait guy, the fishing bait guys, and they're exactly like the earthworms or nightcrawlers have photosensitive skin. So they actually have sensors on their skin that when you shine the headlamp lamp on them, they're, ha- they're able to have that instantaneous response is because they actually have sensors all over their skin and they respond also to vibrations on the ground and withdraw quickly. And these guys, the bait guys, have videos so you can't shine your headlamp or your light right on them. You shine it kind of off to the side so you can still see what they're doing. And then there's a particular part of the worm that you have to grab or they're just so incredibly strong and half of them is still underground mm-hmm. rooted in the ground that you can't get a good enough hold on them to pull them out so there's a particular place to grab them to pull them out i mean it makes a lot of sense it's no wonder since they all come out at night like that it's no wonder birds show up first thing in the morning and try to go for worms i always thought it was like you know they always seem to show up when it's wet which maybe is an earthworm well, thing and yeah earthworms come to the surface but and they I don't assumed... come to the surface because they can't survive in in wet ground that's a myth they come to the surface because the wet ground is softer and they're going to they can hurry across the surface faster than they I've can I've never actually thought it. about it I kind of assumed worms and night crawlers were kind of the same thing mm-hmm. but apparently they're there's not. a reason yeah they're very they're much not. not the same thing it's just fascinating so here's what I've been holding back from you Night crawlers virtually only come out of their burrows to mate. Do you know? Have you At ever? Night? I don't know. Holy I, crap! I it's so. breeding season right now up on the crazies. Uh-uh, no, because no, I mean fully out of their burrows. Oh, fully out. So the whole body comes out. Have you ever thought about how worms mate? <laughs> I mean, we now know how praying mantises mate. <laughs> Remember, worms are hermaphrodites, which means that they have both male and female reproductive organs. Every single worm has both male and female reproductive organs. So do they have to duke it out to see who's going to be on top? No. <laughs> so, so here's the interesting thing. They have in... They've... they've if you dissect a worm, if you've ever dissected a worm, Years you get ago. this diagram of what's going on in each segment of the of the worm's body. And so I can't remember the exact numbers now, but somewhere something between segments 12 and 14 are the is the male body parts and then the next segment or two is the female reproductive organ. And on the bottom of the worm are glands and sensors and pores and I can't remember. I read this Saturday night, so it's, I'm not getting the terminology right anymore. But essentially they <laughs> they line up with each other, boy to boy to girl part, like this but on, their, on their bottom side. So they're, uh-huh. nobody's on top. They're side by side on their sides. And mashed together. And then the the boy parts on both of them secrete something into each other and the girl part absorbs it on both of them so they both come away with fertilized eggs and then there's like a that that flat part on the outside of worm you know there's always that flat band somehow something comes off of that and slides down the whole outside part of the worm and then slides off of the end and takes in the fertilized eggs and they then hatch as teeny worms so, yeah, you can Google that. You can again. You can look up on YouTube earthworms mating, and it's not. It's there's not, a lot of jokes I'm going to refrain from right now. It's yeah, like I told you, I have been <laughs> holding something back from you just for the pure delight of sharing oh. it with you for the first time right now. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's how earthworms mate. And now we can do something about Jesus. 
It is super interesting. <laughs> super nerdy, but super interesting. If, if any of you, if any of you guys out there knew the ins and outs of how earthworms mate, kudos to you because I've never thought about it and had no idea until I read on this <clears throat> little article about nightcrawlers only emerging fully from their burrows, basically to mate. I don't really think about how anything mates except you and me, which I probably think about. Too well, you've much thought about how mind. praying mantises mate now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And we've already covered on this show, we've covered dogs being artificially inseminated. Most animals I don't really think about because they all kind of mate the same way. It's those weird That's ones. That's true. Like, like Yeah, exactly. Ones. You you if there's external genitalia. Or the three prong three pronged four uh monkey penis or whatever it is. Uh that was that a kangaroo? Kangaroo. Kangaroo, I think. Yeah, I think it was a kangaroo. I think it was Paul that was telling us about it, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, Again, that comes Paul. from the veterinarian show that we were into for a while. <laughs> uh, so, But, I mean, you can kind of make assumptions when there's external genitalia. I saw a video when I was watching the Earthworm one about snakes mating, and I didn't watch it because I don't like snakes at all, and I don't want mm-hmm. to watch them mate, because that's going to make more of baby snakes that I don't like. But that's another one that kind of got me wondering... I don't know how snakes mate. But snakes lay fertilized eggs. Maybe they lay, they they mate similar to a worm. No, because they're not hermaphrodites. There's boy snakes and girl snakes. Anyway, maybe... It'll show up on Telegram here in another I couple know. days. That's, that's <laughs> okay, speaking of Telegram and the awesome ways that people have been engaging with us lately, I have two things. One is Matthew, Jonathan, and Roger all get gold stars for identifying whoever has my commands and obeys them yep. as GT and the Halo Express. And Jonathan and Matthew... I believe both of their wives recorded clips of this song for me. <laughs> you know what I've been amazed at, though? with Besides the fact that it's super awesome Aww. that people our age grew up listening to this and are playing it for their kids. I had two people, Addie and Jonathan, both say that their kids have in the past or do go to sleep listening to this GT and the Halo Express, which is, if I understand correctly, kind of like Salty, where there's a story with scripture songs interspersed through the storyline. Addie said that her girls slept to it for so long that they would wake up and know what time it was at night based on what, where they were in the story of these oh, CDs. Also super impressive, besides the multiple generations loving this, and the fact that they still have a website that looks like it was built in the early days of building websites that's still selling CDs, so they're still going strong, is that they have their... It's not IP. Whatever, what, what's They have their product sharing locked down so far that you can't even find more than one sample of one CD. I think there's six CDs on YouTube or anywhere on the internet outside of their own website. Do you, do you think that's a matter of locking down their intellectual property super tight or do you think it's a matter of nobody's listening anymore and nobody cares enough to have actually uploaded because a lot of the stuff on youtube that gets uploaded like is user generated uploads i feel like based on the fact that in our pool of listeners four people knew this well enough to know exactly what i was talking about when i mentioned it that's uh, i'm not sure how many people listen to our downloads right now but I mean, we get five hundred a week. We're okay, like so, six, seven hundred so, an episode. So, so say one three. other person knew what it was and didn't contact us. Five out of five hundred. That's one percent of people. One percent of all of the millions of people who upload stuff to YouTube. I feel like, like somebody would have done something if GT weren't keeping it under locks. I mean, the old salty stuff is up there. Steve Green stuff is ripped up there. That's not from him. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, I feel like somebody would... I feel like he's probably had something to do with that. But anyway, I would like to get a hold of the CDs sometime and give our, see if our kids like it. Faith, who is three, 
has been singing the Whoever Has My Commands and Obeys Them song nonstop for the last week. They haven't even updated their logo. It still looks like something from 1980s TBN. Right, which is exactly... They don't need to. They've got a loyal following. I mean, that's... Their 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 main one is like straight up 70s. I don't know. 80s? 80s. 80s. 80s, yeah. early 80s. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm hoping... I mean, I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just like, it's just cracking me up. Right, me too. Because they're still, they're still selling successfully selling mm-hmm. CDs probably will be successfully selling them to me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay, so the other oh. thing I I have started with my kids and I'm going to invite you guys to participate in this with me. We went to we do a science class with a couple of other homeschool families once a month and this last one the mom who coordinates it and leads it was having the kids do different exercises well learning about muscles what our muscles do and things like that and then it was it was also a math oriented session because we were graphing in different ways we made a bar graph we made a line graph we made a pie graph the pie chart was how long everybody in the group could do a wall sit and then it was divided into segments like zero to 30 seconds, 31 seconds to a minute 30 and onward. There were four kids who got to eight minutes and 25 seconds and the mom running. It was like, we're running out of time. You guys all win. You're done. But <laughs> several of the kids were not doing impressive wall sets who made it to 825. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you need to get your butt. Like, now that you're outlasting others, you need to actually do it. Get your butt down. Butt down. Butt down. But several of them were doing legit wall sets. And this one little girl who's about Elise's age, she's got tears coming down her cheeks. Her entire body is shaking. And she's just hanging in there still. Eight minutes and 25 seconds. It was nuts. Uh, I was a little disappointed, honestly, at how our kids did. (laughs) I outlasted all of them. I made it four minutes and couldn't really stand after that. But I have decided that if we need a brain break, you know, Titus is struggling with his math or kids are having trouble sitting still. We're now doing wall sits every school day. That's good. That's good. Something good to do to sit, to do inside, because normally you'd send them outside to run around. In That's true. I do make them do laps outside. Um, so, so I would like to invite our kids, our kids suffer from what I suffer from. And that is a lack of mental fortitude. Like most of the stuff I do in life, it's a mental game for me. It's not that I can't do it or that I can't push myself harder or farther. I'm not strong. It's mentally, I'm like, why am I doing this right now? This is dumb. You know? Yeah. I feel like that's like our kids could probably go. They're never going to be the kid that's going to be pouring in tears because they're so competitive. They can't lose. That's not going to be our kids. They're going to be like, ah, this. I got better things to do with my time. Which is I don't both know, good maybe, and bad. maybe one or two of them will take after me and be very competitive. Currently, I'm beating them all at wall sets. <laughs> so maybe you're right. <laughs> I'm the most competitive. <laughs> anyway, I'm... And I'm going to continue beating them all at wall sets. Well, I've got a head start on them. I made them do two minutes and 30 seconds today. And that's working up from... A minute, 30 seconds a week ago. So I would like to invite you all to join us. And I'm going to look up right now if I can buy a pack of gold stars on Walmart pickup. And I'm going to make a chart. And if you send us a message in whatever way you want to send us a message, I will add your name to that chart. And I will give you stars and write your time down, and we'll make a line graph, or a, I don't know, we'll do something with the information. But I'll post we on like might, Telegram or Instagram. We might have a listener out there who's like, "Oh, I could build an app for us <laughs> to party on." Well, I, I, but maybe we don't. I mean, I don't know. that's very possible. That would be very cool. In the meanwhile, I'm going to do an actual old-fashioned hand-drawn. She's really good. Chart. So when we started, you guys probably remember us talking about that. Uh, summer Bible study we were doing a dollar ninety two gold stars or all different had, colors of stars. We had uh, we were working from handouts. Molly created these really pretty 
really wonderful handouts that were just super old school, like clip out pictures, tape them onto a piece of paper, photocopy the piece of paper, and you got this really nifty handout, right? Well, it got tiring. We kept running out of, we, we got to a point where we run, she ran out of time, not we. She, uh, actually, I ran out of printer ink. <laughs> oh, she ran out of printer ink. And so then we took this whiteboard and she started writing it on the whiteboard, which actually at the end of the day, I kind of prefer. I, I did too. That's know, why we stuck with it. We were looking at all that. But anyways, yeah. So Molly's good with old school, nifty, old school things. She's the old schooler in the house. I am the old schooler. And I'm the I new also, schooler in the house. Hey, so this is another thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but I was proud of this. I've been writing out, creating coloring pages. And you guys, I am not an artist at all. I, not even remotely. My two older kids are probably better artists than I am by this point. But I Elise has wanted me to make her coloring pages of her Sunday school memory verses. So her verse this week is First John 4.10. And it's got this neat parallelism and then alliteration in it that is super helpful for memorizing the verse. It's uh, this is love, not that and picture in your in your mind, not that we loved God, and then beneath immediately beneath the we is he. So not that we loved mm-hmm. God, but that he loved us. So the we and the he are juxtaposed with the God and us. And then you've got a series of four S's for the bottom of it, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So when I did the coloring page for Lisa, I did the S's really big and bubble letters for her to color in. But anyway, kind of a nice way to memorize first John four ten. Yeah. Since I don't have a song for it right now. Yet. Maybe <laughs> I will by the time Faith gets to that memory lesson in school. So anyway, that's my um my engagement with our with our crowd thing. Get if you want to be in on our family well sit uh challenge. It's not a competition. It's a it's a personal challenge against you, but with the fun of doing it. My mom with other people. My mom runs, and she's at our house right now for a little bit. And she was mentioned. She made a comment that there was a podcast she listens to, I guess, with a really famous, like long distance runner who was really struggling with knee problems. Just had knee injury after knee injury after knee injury. So she spends a lot of money and goes to the doctor for running injuries, right? Like New York or something. Because that's where potentially the real people live, is New York. So, anyway, she spends all this money, goes to this guy, and he's like, um, you just need to do, if you can get to four minutes of wall sits, all your knee problems will go away. <laughs> she said, wait, what, really? Yeah. And apparently she did. And all her knee problems went away. Um, if you Google wall sits and knee pain... It's, that seems to compare uh, duck duck go it don't google it that seems to be confirmed by a quick yeah so search I, I, search. I i said well i'm not going to be a person that's going to have to work up to anything i should be strong enough that i can do that and i did i got down and i did four minutes and 15 seconds and then i did a i sat with you guys the other day and in four minutes and 30 seconds and then I couldn't walk for about three minutes <laughs> and then i went to the cabin and hiked and i think i figured um, I've probably hiked over six or 7,000 vertical feet since we've been hunting and well over, I think 30 or 40 miles now in just the last couple of days. It's just crazy. Too much walking, but it gets cold if you sit for too long. Mm-hmm. You got to sit because people will push elk around and elk will move and just seeing them, you know, they come down a hill and you're like, well, that's this hill doesn't look too bad. Then you get up there to where they were and you're like, this thing is really steep and really crazy, and they made it look like there was flatland. It's just. Do you nuts. remember a couple of years ago when we watched a bear run up a hill mm-hmm. at a pace that was astounding, He's and it, it was it was a legit. I mean, it was a long ways too. He was chasing after this farmer on a four wheeler. Almost got him. Too. No, he wasn't. The farmer whipped around with a shotgun and blew the bear right Don't off his even. back. He was in the middle of it. Sorry. Who knows what the bear was running for? Just for <laughs> the joy. I think. Like when our dogs go outside, I think God created animals or even a little kid. You know, we, we'll eat dinner outside in the grass in the summer and our, our kids will hop off from away from the table or in the middle of eating and just run at a flat out run. And we, we, we have an acre of yard. They'll flat, flat out run to the end of the acre 
and then flat out run back and then they just run for the joy of running and i feel i mean it was eric liddell who says when i run i feel god's pleasure Mm -hmm. i feel like horses and this bear and our dogs god created them just to have joy in that sensation we were (laughs) titus and i went out yesterday to shoot the pellet gun and we got out we set up the little metal targets and Maui's coming out with us, and Maui just flipped out and started. He started running these really tight circles. He did about six laps in a circle before he stopped and realized he just. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was dizzy by then. And he was just running, 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 running. And then the cats are running around. The cats just wanted to like be in our vicinity, and it was really funny. But Maui cracked me up because he just ran in a circle. It's been in the 30s here at night i think maui's kind of tired of being cooped up because he's so used to being outside with us all the time and we just haven't been outside very much yeah um i have two more uh i don't know serious i don't know neat less frivolous things i'm trying to decide which one to talk about both okay uh i don't know just pick one yeah no the first one i don't know maybe they'll end up linking together so, JR was gone from Thursday until Sunday night hunting, and we had two kids get a stomach bug the previous weekend, and then we had a kid, the other two kids, and then one of the ones who had been sick the previous weekend got sick again on Thursday night and Friday. And so I was up pretty much all Thursday night with one kid or the other throwing up or complaining of stomach pain, and then... Just Friday was recovery, even into Saturday was still, I, you know, it, with one of our kids, being sick is more of a head game than anything, and it was a little bit psychosomatic. She believed that she was dying, and she would get mad at me for not babying her. for, And I was like, you haven't even thrown up yet. You're fine. <laughs> I can't eat. It's going to make me throw up. Well, you could give it a try, since you haven't eaten in 24 hours. Put something in your stomach and see what happens. No, I'm afraid of throwing up. And then her sister got to go to a birthday party that she didn't go to. And, oh, she was angry. So angry. And I was like, you literally haven't moved from this couch in 36 hours. You're not in shape to go to a birthday party. But if you think you are, there's a reformation party tonight at church that we were, are currently not going to because you do nothing but lie on the couch and complain. And I said, you need to get off the couch, you need to eat some food, and you need to stop complaining about things, and you need to act healthy. And she did instantly. She got off the couch. She <laughs> ate a full meal. It settled in her stomach just right. And then all of a sudden, ta-da, she felt better because she actually had food and blood sugar levels that were appropriate for feeling good. And... She was fine for the rest of the night. But Faith, our three-year-old, got so used to being coddled and sitting on laps and not feeling well and feeling justified and being cranky. We went to this Reformation party and my mom was like, oh, did you dress up? And I was like, no, I went as an angry mom. And I played the part very well because apparently I looked so angry, hardly anyone at the party talked to me. (laughs) (laughs) And didn't really have a lot of fun because Faith was so crabby she anytime i tried talking to someone she would interrupt me and squeal at me and demand to be held by me and get mad because she was poppy with the same costume she wore last year and the poppy wig was a had been played with for a year now and didn't stay on her head right and she would scream to get it on and then i'd work on getting it on her head just right and then she would literally throw it off and throw it on the ground because she didn't like how it was sitting on her head Over and over and over we did this. Saturday and also Sunday. By the time I got to church on Sunday, she wouldn't get in the car right. She screamed the whole way to church. We got... Other kids ran in and ran to their Sunday school classes, and Faith just stood in front of the car screaming. And then she was screaming because she was cold, because it was cold. And I was like, well, let's go inside the warm building. That's a logical fix for this. And she wouldn't. And my hands were full of extra books and water bottles and things like that. So I dragged her by one arm inside, and she's still screaming when I walked into the church. And so then I had to sit in the foyer, and I was just so angry at her and so 
broken, I was just feeling on the verge of tears. And it was a bunch of guys standing around the back. So that was fine. And then my friend Nicole came in and asked how I was doing. And I started crying on her. And then she went to give me a hug and I spilled my coffee all over her pregnant belly. And then she, that made me cry even harder because then I had just, you know, spilled coffee all over somebody at church and she was tremendously gracious and uh, said, um, you know, well, if it wasn't you, it was going to be me or one of my girls or something and went and got paper towels to wipe and clean up my leg and her belly and whatnot. And anyway, I, I, I've just been mulling over that because I'm not usually a cry in the foyer at church sort of person. So I realized I was like really, really stretched and tired. Um, and, um, I don't know. It's very humbling. It's very, very humbling. <laughs> and then to have her, like to have somebody respond so graciously is also both very humbling, um, to be in a position where you need that much grace from someone. Um, and then that word, I finally took faith into the Sunday school class for literally the last 10 minutes or so of the adult Sunday school class. There was no way she would go to the kid one. And she's sitting there and she wants a drink of water and the water's not right for her. So Nicole's like four rows behind and she's like, I'll go do it for you. I mean, she can tell there's a meltdown coming four rows in front of her. So she grabs the water bottle and runs out and fills it for me. Uh, just, you know, proactively covering over me again. But um, it literally takes one to know one. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. Which I, I guess I, 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 there's a couple other circumstances in my life where I know that there are moms who don't receive the kind of grace that they probably need, or they don't feel free to show their need of grace because either the need is so great that it would be overwhelming or off-putting or, um, you know, there's, there's for sure an element of pride. You know, I had, I had my mascara on okay at church and then I didn't, (laughs) you know, um, and, you know, for sure there's an element of pride and everyone jokes about, you know, yelling at their kids on the way to church and then being super nice to everybody inside of church, but, I think that um, God puts his hand on you in a special teaching way. <laughs> when he humbles you to the point where your need of grace is that obvious. <laughs> and and it's, you know, um, it's hard. Like Nobody wants to be in a circumstance where they're so angry at their kids that, like, one person was like, well, when she starts doing loose fits, do you discipline her? Do you spank her? And I was like, I honestly, like... I'm so angry at her. I have to put her in timeouts with the fits she's been throwing the last few days. I can't, I can't try to spank her well because well, I wouldn't. Historically, spanking doesn't really work super well for her anyway. It depends on. I mean, sometimes it's never worked for me. Sometimes it does, but yes, it usually gets her more angry and more spooled up and doesn't snap her out of things quite like it has some of our other kids, but also, I mean, I'm just so angry at her. I wouldn't dare try, uh, for the last couple of days. So anyway, I guess I've just been, one of the songs that we sang at the end of church was Robin Marks, let the weak say I'm strong. The poor say I'm rich. Let the blind say I can see it's what the Lord has done in me. And, uh, I don't know. I've just been thinking about the fact that we nobody wants to embrace their weakness. God gives us weakness and trials because we're not going to choose them, but he gives yeah. them to us because he know we he knows that we need them. I'm kind of <laughs> uh this probably says more about me than than I want, but I don't feel like I'm ever uh, in a place to be humbled like that because I'm not an I'm not I don't ever feel like prideful enough about anything I'm doing or involved in like I just perpetually feel like like you're failing yeah this probably I feel like a perpetual failure so it's like I just I walk around always feeling like I'm just quote unquote being humbled. <laughs> Well, maybe that's true. Maybe he it is probably is. It's just you. like 
Yeah, nothing successful in my life. Oh, man. Um, so, I guess that's that kind of goes into the, the other thing that I've been thinking a fair amount about recently. Several... Last week? Was it just last week at Small Group? No, it was two weeks ago. Or was it last week? I can't remember. Um, we were... the The passage being discussed was in the book of Acts where Cornelius gets the vision and then Peter gets the vision and there's these questions you know so that the impenetrable barrier between between Jews and Gentiles is now blasted away by what Jesus did on the cross and Peter is learning this in a very in a very deep way and He's having to uh, reshape how he thinks about people who are seemingly so other from him that he could never fellowship with them. And so one of the sermon discussion questions was, what barriers do you see between people that keep you from being in fellowship with them or loving them well? And I forget what my answer was. Well, I mean, I, I have a lot of different things that... I could answer to, and then, I don't know, like, that seem like in my earthly strength, I could get through loving this other person, maybe, and, or faking fellowship with them, or at least being in the same room with them, or growing towards them or something. But one gal mentioned, and it got me really thinking on this, is, is the last election cycle the the last year and a half two years in american i guess two years now in american culture has been so polarizing that our our differences are more on display than they probably have been in a lot of my lifetime so you know on there was that day on instagram where you're supposed to turn your profile picture black to support Black Lives Matters. And so there's this very stark, if you're on Instagram or, you know, would you change your Facebook frame on your Facebook profile to support whatever cause you're supposed to be supporting with that frame or the I voted or, you know, I've been vaccinated sticker on your Facebook profile. And so the, you're just we have these platforms to broadcast our differences, but we also have have ideas that if you're if you haven't been vaccinated, you can't be around me. And there's also unvaccinated people who believe that vaccinated people are a threat to them for a variety of reasons. There's the people who believe that you're you're a deep, deep danger to me if you're gonna not wear a mask and you're gonna be around me. And there's people who believe that there's, you know, there there's reasons to divide over being forced to wear a mask versus not. And we've been confronted that with that somewhat in our own lives. The, you know, if somebody's going to force my kids to wear a mask, am I going to choose to not participate in that activity? Because our kids know that we have more or less come to believe that masks do do some good but it's like one percent 1.8% you know reduction of transmission of viruses sort of thing so not worth the effort basically not worth the effort and not worth the cost of rebreathing their own germs and missing facial cues and things like that there's tons of science on kids in masks and from my read of the science it doesn't support it and i've communicated that to my kids enough that I feel like asking them to wear masks for a long period of time at somebody else's insistence would send to my kids a mixed message of mom and dad are going to lay down the line here and they're going to stand up for their beliefs here. But they're so I feel like I guess I've, I've been feeling a bit of despair about the future of America writ large, and I know I'm not alone here, but even the American church, when we have people, I mean, we have people who wear masks to our services, and they don't seem afraid of people who are not wearing masks, and they don't seem 
angry that people aren't complying with what they want, and they're able to be in rich fellowship with the body on a Sunday morning, which I love that they believe is important enough, and they feel safe and welcome enough in a congregation that is predominantly not wearing masks to come and be with them. And so I think that shows, that's the sort of unity that that we can aspire to, but when, when, I guess, you know, I don't feel a lot of hope at um, Christian unity when that has become such a huge dividing factor. And I don't feel like I'm expressing myself super well here, but uh, all that to say, I, I, I feel great. I know I've talked about this recently before, but for church leaders who are trying to wrestle through all of these issues still, and they've got to be completely exhausted with it. They just finished the, should we meet in person? Should we, do we meet online? How do we minister to people? Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? How do we get people back in fellowship? And then in a lot of communities on the coast, now they're being faced with vaccine mandates. And do we exclude people from our body fellowship if uh, you know, if they're not vaccinated, that sort of thing. And it's got to be completely exhausting and to feel impossible. And I was musing over this and just was remembering Jesus with the camel going through the eye of the needle and saying that to man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I don't know, I was just a little bit chagrined and encouraged at the same time by remembering that something that I see as currently an impasse in some of some areas of our life and in some otherwise God-fearing, God-loving, gospel-sharing churches across America that this impasse to man probably feels impossible, but it's uh, not I, to God. I find... I have almost more of a I'm less how do I say this? I'm less bothered by the barriers I have with fellow believers that I just I don't want to hang out with you anymore <laughs> than I am by you know masking things. Do you think that's a good are you saying that is it's a good no, thing? No, I'm saying it's oh. not a good thing. <laughs> It's not a good thing at all. Um, that's just where, like, as, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about barriers and what, you know, it's, it's backwards. It's skewed. Um, I don't really know, but honestly, I don't really know how to how to flip it around anymore. Like, I've, I think to a certain extent, I, I've kind of, I haven't given up, but I've just been using avoidance as a tactic. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm not in a position to have to deal with these things... That I want to deal with them, so I just won't put myself in a position of having to deal with these things. Um, and that position of avoidance isn't—I don't think—is necessarily bad. But I've got to investigate the why. I don't avoiding, think that position you know. of avoidance is bad in the short term, but I don't think it puts you still—you have, you you have to deal with it and your level. family on a trajectory for living with purpose and. Right fresh wind in your sails. And that's interesting that you, you put it that way because I don't feel like we as a family unit necessarily have a purpose for what we're doing. I Maybe? It's really interesting you say that because I've been thinking that this week too. I've never thought about it until just right now. Oh, I, pose a question, I feel like but. we have had seasons where we have things that our family is passionate about and and not in a like we're passionate about judo we're passionate about travel we're passionate about skiing but like passion in the lord's work where something that we we do together because we feel called to it and we're we're serving other people and i feel like we've i sometimes we're more explicit about it than others but i feel like we're in a season where we don't necessarily Maybe we need to sit down and be more deliberate about coming up with something. Uh, I feel like, well, yeah, you mentioned that too, and I wonder if the like some of the wind was like 
like the summer effort we had was really good. And then the wind was kind of taken out of our sails when it was like, oh, we're just running out of time. We're getting back into the, we're getting, how do I, we're getting back into a super busy. Con, yeah. But routine. all those busy things are more consumer oriented. Mm-hmm. They're more for us and they're not necessarily externally oriented. Like give, it's more what we can get, not what we can give. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just a thought I had. Because, I mean, if you look at judo, it's about what we can get, not necessarily what we can give. Small group on Wednesdays, what we can get, not really what we can give. I mean, yeah, it's great not having to have any responsibility because I can just show up and talk as much as I want to or not talk as much as I want to. <laughs> it's like, it's purely for me. Yeah. You know? And it, like... Which I, we're, I wonder, not, we're not designed to live that way. No. And I just, I wonder if... I don't know what I wonder. I wonder if we have too much emphasis on one and none on the other, but then it would come down to saying, okay, what are we going to you know, give up, say, for to make these things happen? And then, and then oh, it's, it's inevitable. But it's like one of those things that makes me not even want to try. But you try to organize, especially when it involves people. You try to organize things and put things together, and, and nobody people does. People come through as being weird and hard. Yeah, and they just don't fail like, you and disappoint you. Like I had a friend, love him to death, but he said, "You know, we don't have time for anything this year because we missed out on so much on COVID. We're doing everything this year, this summer." I was, I was like, you, "What? What? They're doing it? They signed up for everything. They felt like they missed out, so now they're doing everything all at once." And I'm like. You would think, you would think that it would go backwards for somebody, that it would revert them back to going, you know, it's really nice. We had so much great family time Not when we having didn't have all this stuff to do. shuttle kids around or go to four hours yeah. of practice five nights a week or travel every weekend to an event. You would think, but no. Yeah. It's Spe- so weird. Speaking of which, I've gotten, you and I both got some parenting thoughts from Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is a grandfather. He and his wife homeschooled seven kids. And we have not talked at all about what he sent us. But a couple of weeks ago, I was I was trying to figure out the balance of homeschool freedom, spontaneity versus accomplishing my agenda. And he says, Molly, I feel watching the Blue Angels was far more special than expected educational plans. Uh, He said, once our daughter had chronic fatigue syndrome and for two months spent most of her time sleeping, when awake, we get her to read historical fiction. That year, she tested two years ahead of testing the year prior. Our oldest son struggled in everything academic. Uh, By seventh grade, he had caught up in everything, even though he'd been lousy at schoolwork early on. And he graduated with honors from Grove City College. And he says, I really suggest you just allow your kids to enjoy the freedom of homeschooling like you do the skiing and stuff. And don't worry, they'll be fine. Uh, He also says in the same email, in my homeschool talks, I used to state no homeschooling mom should ever have to do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alan, thank you. I love you. Uh, Maybe we'll close that with too busy to flush. People are weird and hard. No homeschooling mom should ever have to do the dishes. Um, but, um, and he points out that the, the families that succeed with homeschooling in the long run are the dads who do a ton of that sort of stuff. But then he followed up later, and this is just in the chain with me, and he was, he said, they, with seven kids, focused on having sit-down meals as a family. Um, one, he said, one time I asked a van load of seven teens how often they had meals together, Two said on holidays with their families. Three said once or twice a month, and the other said once or twice a week. We made it a point that it was an exception not to have dinner together every night. That meant that our kids missed things like being in Awana and stuff. And I feel like we prioritize that too. Even on nights when we have judo, we more or less eat dinner as a family mm-hmm. at four o'clock, which is crazy early. If Faith has taken a successful nap, she's not part of the family dinner, but everyone else sits down and eats even if it's around our counter and our island instead of our table we're still eating together and then alan goes on to say that they chose they with some trial and error 
got their kids. Oh, <laughs> he says, with trial and error, got their kids. They only let their kids do one sport, and it was all the same one. And his family did competitive swimming. And I feel like we have come to that conclusion with judo. And fortunately, fortunately, all of our kids who do it so far enjoy it. They've gone through phases where the girls are like, oh, I wish I could do dance classes. I wish I could do piano or, you know, gymnastics lessons or whatever. And we're like, sorry, we're a judo family. And we've got a variety of reasons for that. But one of them is with a baby, with babies and toddlers still coming up, we can't possibly be running, waking them up from naps or run them around everywhere. And it's, I don't have the physical and the emotional energy to, we have a couple of families in our church with four or more kids and their kids do lots of team sports. And I, I honestly am slack jawed at the endurance that those parents, especially those moms have to be managing all of that, to be, you know, there's, um, you know, I guess they all have grandparents who help out too, but that I know the ones that I'm thinking of, but this kid is a soccer tournament shared in Wyoming this week. Well, this kid has a swim meet in great falls and you know, their parents are splitting up and, uh, more power to them. I could not do that for our family. And I just, I physically and emotionally could not sustain that. And so, so Alan says in the email, I find that with piano lessons, which again, even last night after my local Canavox meeting, we were talking about how our kids, our various kids do piano lessons. And apparently there's a gal in our church who comes to your house for $15 a lesson, but she's full. But that sounds amazing. But I was like, you know, I paid 50 bucks for 70. I can't even remember for our kids' app for the whole year. And this is mediocrity, Alan. This is Alan saying this. Mediocrity with no stress is better than excelling and causing stress for parents and child. I love it. And I mean, for you and I played sports in high school and we're very mediocre. I was below mediocre. And it was... I mean, it was great character building. I think the fact that I lifted weights almost every day in high school that I I ran and did endurance, I think that laid a foundation for fitness for me that I am very appreciative of. And I look at my kids and they're not, I mean, judo just doesn't push them physically in terms of, you know, how far can you run? How many pull-ups can you do? That sort of thing. Quite like some of those other competitive sports would, but, and just conditioning in general, but our our kids are not going to be college athletes. They're never going to regain a penny of what we invest in them. And that's, that's not all that's said to be, that's not, not all that you gain from, from sports, because I think you gain a ton of camaraderie. You gain lifelong friends. Well, and in, in our case... You get a least, work ethic. Yeah. You get character building. There's a lot of things. I, I, I know mean, that a lot of people don't do these sports for their kids to get a college scholarship. Uh, for our kids, you know, and we've talked about this before, but for anybody that doesn't know, um, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, Molly. You know, with judo, it's the fact that we, we homeschool our kids. We homeschool our kids. They only ever see each other. So this is a chance for them to participate in an activity, a public activity, outside of the home where they have to work with people who aren't siblings. They have to learn to work together. They have to learn to be a good partner. And being in martial arts, and it, they expect respect from them. Yes, and it pushes, it does push the kids physically because all of our kids don't like to lose. They did get that from you. They hate losing. And this sport is incredibly one-on-one. Yes, you train as a team, but when you're out there on the mat, it's combat. It's you or him or or her, her, as the case may be. Um, And, you know, so I tell Tito, I was like, you know, when he gets cranky about doing wall sets, I'm like, Titus, one, it's going to vastly improve your skiing. Two, there's somebody out there who wants to win more than you. And you're about to head down to a national competition with kids who are training your age five days a week to go to the Olympics. You're now going to be competing against them. I don't understand why you're taking him to this competition. He wants to go. He wants to do all sorts of things. The girls want to do gymnastics classes. You don't part do of things it, just so because part he of wants it, to do it. Part of it is because, first of all, uh, he is 
he wants to do this. That's what he wants to. He's really wants to do this, and he does. When he puts his mind to it, he does actually put in a lot more effort now with some of those things. Two, he gets to go down with the quote unquote team. Mm. So one of our other black belt students is an internationally ranked judoka. His dad is our competition coach, and he's going to coach Tito through his through his junior novice stuff. And so, but he gets and it'll expose him to the experience. Plus, I think he I think he he actually enjoys. He does enjoy. Not only does he want to, but he enjoys doing it. Even when he loses, he was really happy to have gone down to mm-hmm. Denver. Mm-hmm. He would rather have won, but he learned. You know, you just you learn when you do things like that. So, in terms of like. There's not going to be, there are no students at the dojo right now that are going to travel or do anything. So it's like, this is the one opportunity, one, one of the few opportunities for him to go and compete on more of a kind of a larger team level. But uh, we have the van. I enjoy road tripping. We have a place to stay now. We and homeschool so and like I've just been chastised into letting my kids have these experiences. <laughs> We're going to have GT in the Halo Express and he can listen to it and memorize scripture the whole way down oh, and back. Uh. Or at least other audiobooks. Um, I don't have a neat way to wrap up anything we've been talking about. I don't think about. you need like, to wrap it up. Well, sometimes I, sometimes I put a bow on top of stuff we've been talking about. I don't have any bows to put on at this time. Life is not about having a bow. This is not a Hallmark Christianese Hallmark movie where everything gets wrapped up with a bow and an answer. I will tell you, though, I was pretty proud of myself. The friend that I spilled coffee on came to my Cane of Ox meeting at our house last night. Mm -hmm. And Sunday, I went out for coffee by myself because I managed to, before you got home from... From hunting, I managed to dump the kids off on grandmothers so I could do some errands by myself and stopped in for coffee didn't actually go in because i was on the phone with a friend which was a very refreshing great conversation but i ended up sitting in the parking lot of the coffee shop talking to her for half an hour instead of going in and reading what i was going to read with my coffee but i bought the friend that i had spilled coffee on a coffee card and i wrote a note to give it to her which came over last night that said here's a coffee on me instead of my coffee on you I thought I was. I thought I was being pretty clever there. That is pretty clever, and God bless all you grandmothers out there. You have your kids may not say it, and some of your kids may take advantage of you, but the blessing when you guys take children for just an evening or a afternoon or a lunch or something is just huge. Because mm-hmm. there's no, at least for us, there's no stress. We're not worried. We're gonna suddenly they're gonna misbehave. We're gonna be out of babysitter. I mean, I am worried, worried about having our, to try to do this scheduling. I'm worried my kids are going to misbehave for my well, parents because it's will. stressful for them. I know yeah, they do. They will because they're they're turds, weird and hard. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Um, if you do want to get a hold of us, you can send us a postcard. Remember, wall sit November. Wall sit November. Um, wall sit Wednesday. Um, if you want to uh, send us a message, uh, you can do so on our website using the postcard feature. That is www.tb2f, the number 2f.com, or too busy to flush, all grammatically correct.com. You can also send us a message on Instagram at too busy to flush. You can uh, join our Telegram group and participate with all of the chit chat and comments and feedback and all the discussion that happens there on Telegram. I'll include the link to our Telegram group in the show notes. Um, I don't think there was any notes of particular relevance, so that might be the only one there. Um, if you'd like to order some People Are Weird and Hard swag that's always a, for your friends for Christmas or your spouse or, you know, that difficult son-in-law, um, you can uh, do so on our website as well on the, in the swag shack. So I think that's it. And uh, do you still let people text you at your phone number? Yes. 406-318-7136. But to be honest, since we fired up Telegram, that I haven't gotten like a single text. Oh, that's so, true. That works. Um, if uh, yeah, if you guys are into electronic music, I released a single two weeks ago called Black Claw. You can find it on your famous on your favorite streaming platform under IDJF Music or just ID colon JF. IDJF Black Claw. It's good stuff. Go listen to it. I think I make like a fractional penny per play. It's just brilliant. You get super rich doing this stuff. 
Unfortunately, I'm not in it to get rich. So anyway, um, if you have kids, love them and do the dishes for your wife, men. All right. That's all I got.